It was a pretty exciting night for you guys, huh? Final four. It's a big deal. We were watching, um, we were watching a game last night, and Jesse goes, Hey, Pete, that's the, the, those are the Gophers' colors. And I was like, Jess, we're irrelevant. We can't talk about the Gophers. Don't talk about my team. Uh, it's, it's pretty sad. Um, but that's exciting. You guys are in the final four. It's going to be a fun weekend next weekend. Um, for those of you guys who don't know me, my name is Pete. Um, I work here and just excited to have you guys here this Sunday. Um, you know, we've been going through a series called Following the King, and basically what we've done is we've just invited the Victory Point family uh, to walk through the Book of Mark together. And so we've been reading, you know, two chapters a week, and then we would be, well, we're preaching out of the overflow of what God was speaking to us in Mark. And um, this, this week, I'm Mark 11 and 12, and last week, Mark ha- or, uh, Matt had Mark 9 and 10. And, and last week, for those of you who weren't here, uh, just to refresh us, it, Matt was talking about the transfiguration and how the father spoke and said, this is my son, listen to him. And Matt challenged us. He said, are, you, are we listening to Jesus? Are we living a life where we're constantly listening for Jesus's voice throughout our days? Uh, but, but this week, see, it's Palm Sunday, right? And, and a traditional Bible passage to go over would be Mark 11, right? Mark 11, verses 1 through 10. It's, it's Jesus's entry into Jerusalem, and the people are making away from him. They're saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. You know, they're welcoming him in. Um, but as I was reading Mark 11 and 12 this week, I just felt the Holy Spirit uh, just highlight something else to me. So that's what I'm going to talk about this week. Is, it's Mark 11, 17. And, and it's an interesting story because it's the story when Jesus clears out the temple. Right? We, we see a different side of Jesus that, that might catch us off guard a little bit. Right? He's angry. Right? And, and sometimes I think when we read this, we kind of just want to shy away from it, right? Because it's like, well, how do, ugh, that's kind of weird. Jesus, it's not the kind of Jesus that I'm used to hearing about or talking about. But what I felt the Lord putting on my heart is like, we're supposed to press into this. We're supposed to talk about this. We're supposed to press in. What's happening here? What can we learn from this situation? And so before I start, I just want to pray. Yeah, Jesus, we thank you, God, that you're here with us right now. God, you you surround us with your presence, God, and you live within us. God, you are so near right now, and we thank you for that, Jesus. God, I just pray that that any thought in my head that's not of you, God, would be silenced. And the only voice that we would hear this morning is you speaking through me. In Jesus' name, amen. So Mark 11 and 12. Um, If you guys have your Bibles, open them up. If you got a phone app, you can use that. Otherwise, i got slides on the screen. Mark 11, verse 11, it says, Jesus entered Jerusalem and came into the temple. And after looking around at everything, he left for Bethany with the twelve, since it was already late. On the next day, when they had left Bethany, he became hungry. Seeing at a distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to see if perhaps he would find anything on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. He said to it, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples were listening. Verse 15. Then they came to Jerusalem and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who were buying and selling in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who were selling doves. And he would not permit anyone to carry merchandise through the temple. Verse 17. And he began to teach and say to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you've made it a robber's den. This is an interesting story, right? Jesus rides into Jerusalem. He's welcomed. And where's the first place he goes? 
He goes to the temple and it says he looked at everything. We're going to get into this in, in, in a moment, but the temple was like the heart of the Israel, Israelite community. That was like the central place for their faith, right? So he, he goes there and little did they know that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords was there and he was observing what was taking place, right? And then we have this really random verse, Mark uh, 11, 13 and 14, where it says Jesus like came upon this tree. Like, what was that about? Like, if, if those verses were just standing on their own, it's like, okay, God, what are you trying to teach us how to curse a fig tree? Like, it's just kind of random, right? But it, it, what, what you see is like, we have to read it in context. What comes before it was Jesus at the temple. What comes after it is Jesus at the temple. And it says that Jesus went into the temple and he got angry. He was flipping over tables. He was driving out people who were selling things there. And what's that about? See, I believe in my heart that this anger that we see from Jesus is coming from a place of his desire for the people of Israel. The desire for his creation. See, Jesus is angry in this moment. Why? Because he says, this is meant to be a house of prayer. See, this temple was to be a place where people could connect with God. Sometimes in our, in our Western way of viewing prayer, we kind of just think of uh, prayer as this, like, I, I have this list of needs from God and I give it to him or I'm backed into a corner so I'll pray for help or, you know, I heard about someone being sick so I'm going to pray for them. But prayer is so much more than that. Prayer is an interaction with God. See, it's me pouring out my heart to God and God pouring out his heart to me. And, 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 and so Jesus is like, you guys don't get it. This place is supposed to be a place where people come to encounter God. You know, we read about the temple here in Holland, Michigan in, in 2018. It's kind of foreign to us, right? But, but in this day and in, in this time frame, the temple was so important. I think in order to fully understand this story, we have to understand what the temple was. So you could trace the roots of the temple back to the book of Exodus. God had just delivered the Israelites from Egypt and he brought them to Mount Sinai and he gave the Israelites an identity. He said, you're going to be my holy nation, my royal priesthood, my special possession from among all the nations. You are the people that I've chosen. And, and, and his sign to Israel that this was true was that he would live with them. In Exodus 25, 8, we see God say, let them construct a sanctuary for me that I might dwell among them. So God gives the Israelites this command to build this tent, this sanctuary, this tabernacle. And, and I don't know about you guys, but sometimes like I, before I really got saved and, and filled with the spirit, the Old Testament was just so like boring to me. But it's, it's so amazing. They build this tent, this tabernacle in the middle of their community. And it says that they saw the fire of God's glory resting on the tent. And it says in the daytime, they saw the cloud of his presence resting on the tent. And, and this became a place in the middle of their community where they could actually draw close to the presence of God. See, God wasn't confined to this tent but that's where he chose to reveal himself to the Israelites. It became a symbol for them that God is actually living among us. It's amazing. God is here. He said, you're my people and I'm going to live with you. 
how crazy is that story? See, what would we do if we saw the fire of God's glory? Well, I'd fall on my face first and I'd freak out, but then, then I'd be like, oh my gosh, so amazing, right? And that's what they got to see every single day. And you, and you follow this storyline of the tabernacle and eventually it gets to David is the king, right? And he's like, God, man, I, I love you. I want, I want to build this permanent place for you to live. And he's like, I'm going to build you a temple, the highest place, so everyone can see it. And he goes, that's good, but you're not going to build it. Your son's going to build it. And so we read that Solomon builds this temple, right? And he prays over this temple, and they dedicate it to God. And this is what we read. When Solomon finished praying, fire flashed down from heaven and burned up the burnt offerings and sacrifices. And the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple. The priest could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glorious presence of the Lord filled it. When all the people of Israel saw the fire coming down and the glorious presence of the Lord filling the temple, they fell face down on the ground and worshiped and praised God saying, he is good. His faithful love endures forever. You see, God's presence was with the Israelites every single day. They, had, they could look and they said, that's where God's dwelling among us. We're safe because he's with us. We know we're loved because he's with us. He said, Pete, what's the point? What are you getting at? Well, I'm saying the temple is important. And, and if you look at the storyline of the Bible, there's kind of these mountaintop verses where, where you can just stand on these verses. You can look out and you can see God's master plan unfolding. And, and what we see is in Genesis, right? After, an Adam and Eve, after Adam and Eve sinned, what happened? They heard God walking in the cool of the day. How did they know what that sounded like? Because he lived with them in the garden. We read in the book of Exodus that God lived with the Israelites in the tabernacle. We see that he lived with the Israelites in the temple. And even today, as we look at scripture in Revelation 21, it says, this is John speaking of his vision of how the story is going to end for the people of God. It says, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them. And they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death. No more sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. See, the storyline of the Bible is that God is longing to dwell with his people. And so when Jesus stepped onto the scene, that's where he was. He was at this place where God had revealed himself to the Israelites. Right? But, but there's something that happened. The Israelites turned from God. They had other gods, right? And so the Babylonian empire came in, they exiled the Jews, and they destroyed the temple. We read that years later, um, some, some Israelites come back and, and, and they rebuild the temple where it stood. But the interesting thing to note is that we never read about the glory of God filling the temple like it did before. See, I want to suggest that the temple wasn't God's end goal. It was a shadow of what was to come. And so God, we don't read about God filling the temple like he did before. And so Jesus steps onto the scene. And what does he find? He finds a marketplace, right? People are selling sacrifices to make money. There's a money exchange booth, right? They're making it really hard for people to get sacrifices. They're only allowing temple currency. And so they had this system set up to make money off people. And, and it was restricting people from encountering God. But I want to suggest this, that, that this marketplace that Jesus found in the temple 
was just a byproduct of a broken system. See, the nation of Israel forgot what God was up to. They forgot that it was so much more than just going about the motions. See, they got stuck in this thing of just going about the motions every day, bringing a new sacrifice and all this and that and the other. And Jesus is grieved in his heart because he goes, no, you've forgotten what it's about. It's about dwelling with God, about encountering him and being with him. See, the temple served as a place for people to see God, to know God, and to reflect God. And see, this temple, when Jesus was on the earth, like people from other nations would be coming and man, broken hearts and, and just wanting an encounter with God. And I think when Jesus looked at the scene of the temple, he was just grieved. He's like, man, have we really forgotten what it's all about? It's about knowing God and being with him and reflecting him to the world. You see, like the fig tree that we see before Jesus goes to the temple, it was in full leaf, right? The, the, the word says it was in full leaf, but Jesus found no fruit. In the same way, the temple gave off the appearance that it was bearing fruit. It was a system that people could be made right with God, but Jesus stepped on the scene and it's bearing no fruit. No one's actually encounter, no one's encountering God the way they're supposed to. And let me just, let me make a little note here. Like God's ultimate plan cannot be thwarted. There were people who were encountering God in the temple. We, we read about Zechariah. We read about Anna and Simeon. God was utilizing the temple, but by and large, I believe that Jesus was so grieved that people on a, on a large scale weren't encountering God and knowing God and entering into an authentic relationship with him that he was just grieved and mad. And that's why we see this come out of Jesus. Because that was the ultimate purpose that God had, was that this temple would be a place where we could see God, know God, and reflect him. See, I referenced it earlier, but in Exodus 19, we read that, uh, oh, this slide got on here again. We read that, that God brought Israelite, the Israelites to Mount Sinai, and he gave them an identity. He said, now if you will obey me and keep my covenant, you'll be my own special treasure from among all the peoples on the earth, for all the earth belongs to me, and you will be my kingdom of priests and my holy nation. See, God's intention for the nation of Israel was that they would be a people who lived with God and reflected God. See, he was, they were his kingdom of priests. They were his holy nation. They were supposed to, from their encounters with God in the temple and in the tabernacle, they were supposed to reflect him to the world. We see the same thing in Isaiah 60. It says this, Arise, Jerusalem! Let your light shine for all to see, for the glory of the Lord rises to shine on you. See, there's the reflection. God's glory shines on them, and it radiates off of them, right? And it says, darkness as black as the night covers all the nations of the earth, but the glory of the Lord rises and appears over you. All nations will come and see your light. Mighty kings will come and see your radiance. See, the purpose of the temple was a place to see God, to know God, to reflect God. And Jesus came into the temple, this place that was so important to them, and he didn't see that happening. So he goes, no, you don't get it. This is to be a house of prayer, a place of meeting God, encountering God, and knowing God. See, it's interesting to note that this is the week that Jesus gets crucified. 
And the first stop he makes at Jerusalem, in Jerusalem is the temple. This is the very first stop he makes. I wonder if he's trying to say something. See, Jesus knew that that wasn't the end goal, that, that there was going to be something way better than the temple. See, he knew that, that God longs to dwell with his people, that he longed to dwell with his people. And so he knew that he was going to change things up. And so he steps into Jerusalem the week of being, he's going to go to the cross. And he goes, I'm changing things up. There's going to be a new way of doing things. You see, this is a week where we celebrate, right? The crucifixion of Jesus and his resurrection. But man, it's so important to realize that Jesus didn't just die and come back to life so we could go to heaven. See, we we read all throughout the Bible that God is looking to live with us here and now. He's not waiting. He doesn't, he's not like, oh great, you know, they believed in me. I can't wait to live with them in the future. Right? That verse we read in Revelation, that's what's to come. But in the meantime, there actually is a way we can dwell with God here and now. So that's what Jesus is getting at. This is the very first place he stopped because this was important to him. See, the Israelites were just going through the motions. They didn't have an active and alive relationship with God. Again, some people did, but for the most part, it was non-existent. And Jesus is saying that shouldn't be the case. We read in Acts 7 about this guy named Stephen. And Stephen was giving a speech, in a sense, a speech to the religious, the Jewish religious leaders. And he said, he basically summed up the story of the tabernacle and the temple. And he said, look, God doesn't live in a temple made by the hands of man. And they got mad and they stoned him. But this is what Stephen was getting at. There's a new way doing things. See, God in his divine wisdom and sovereignty knew, like he gave us the temple, he gave us the tabernacle as a clue almost, like as a, as a hint, as a shadow of what he would ultimately do. And it was what he was longing to do. And it was his intention from the beginning to make us his temple. Paul says it this way in 2 Corinthians 6, for we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will live in them, I will walk among them, I will be their God, and they will be my people. Jesus knew that his death and his resurrection would lead to our fellowship with him. That he would fill us with his spirit. See, God didn't leave him. Emmanuel, right? We, we, we talk about that all the Emmanuel, God with us. Well, what does that mean? Well, Jesus knew when he was in the temple and his heart was just being unleashed. He's like, you guys don't get it. It's, you're supposed to live with God, encounter God, walk with him, have a relationship with him. But something new is coming. And Paul talks about it right here. The new thing is that we're now the temple of God. It's amazing, right? Solomon's temple, they, they talk about it was so beautiful and so glorious. I can just see God. He's like, yeah, you guys think that's beautiful and glorious. He's like, I'm going to live in you guys. You think it's cool that I can live in a building? Watch me live in you. How humbling, right? Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians 7, he says, man, or, or 4, verse 7, he says, man, we're like jars of clay, but we hold the treasure of the world. See, who are we that we would be 
worthy of this gift, right? But God has filled us with his spirit when we believe in Jesus, but not just an intellectual belief, when we trust Jesus with our lives. He says, great, I'm gonna fill you with my spirit, my helper, my comforter. See, look what, look what the writer of Hebrews says. He says this, he says, Dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened up a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And, so, and since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. And our bodies have been washed with pure water. You see, when, when, they, when the Israelites dedicated the temple, when they dedicated the tabernacle, there's this whole system they had to go to, through, this whole ritual system to get the temple and the tabernacle holy, right? Because God's holy. He can't dwell with unholiness. They don't go hand in hand. So they had to go through this huge, long ordeal to get the temple right for God's presence. And what the writer of Hebrews is saying is that Jesus' death and his blood, man, has made us holy. When we place our faith in Jesus, his blood makes us holy. So holy that we can enter into the most holy place of God. You see, in the temple, there's this room. It was called the Holy of Holies, the most holy place, right? And that was where the Ark of the Covenant was. And the Ark of the Covenant was God's presence on earth. Only one person, the high priest, could go in there one time a year. It was called the Day of Atonement. And when you would go in there, he'd offer sacrifice for the sins of everyone in the nation of Israel. No one else could go into that room. Why? Because the glory of God would drop them dead right then and there. They were unclean. They were unholy. And his, his holiness and his glory is so strong that, that someone who's not clean, someone who's unfit to be in that place, just dropped dead. That's how powerful God is. And, and the writer of Hebrews is saying, guess what? Through Jesus' blood, we can all enter that. And guess what? We don't have to go to a building to do it. You see, Jesus has put his spirit in our hearts and that gives us 24-7 access to the throne room of God. He gives us access to the person of God. We can hear God speak to us. We can walk with him. Come on. You read about the glory of God resting on the, on, the, on the temple, resting on the tabernacle. That same glory that, that lives in us. That's Jesus. That should get us fired up. That should get us fired up. That's good news. It's good news. We're not just going to heaven at the end of the day when we die. We get to experience it here now through our fellowship with Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You hear what I'm saying? Like, this is good news. And if we don't believe it, then we need to ask God to awaken us to how good of news this is. Because God loves us and he cares about us and now he lives in us. And my question for us today is, are we just going through the motions or are we living with God? Busyness isn't an excuse. Sometimes I want to use that excuse so freely, you know. It's like, well, I'm a full-time student, like, I work, you know, when I was working at the warehouse too, it's like, well, I'm at the warehouse, I'm at the church, and I'm, I'm a student. It's like, that's not an excuse. God challenged me. He's like, if you really want to, want to engage with me and walk with me, why don't you wake up earlier? All right, God, I guess I will, right? So I started waking up a half hour earlier just to spend some time with Jesus. And I'm not perfect. I, I fail. Sometimes I'd catch myself at like 
fall, falling asleep and I'm like, oh, dang it, I'm late to work. You're like, that happens. But God is looking for us to seek him, to pursue him, to live with him and not just go about the motions, forgetting the purpose. The purpose is this, is that God wants to live with us that he's chosen us. And as a sign that he's chosen us, he's given us his spirit to live with us, that we can hear God speak to us, that we can feel him walk with us, that he can lead us each and every day. See, this fellowship, the, the way we can tell this fellowship is working, like that we're actually engaging in it, is if there's fruit that's a sign that we're, we're living in fellowship with Jesus. See, there was something wrong with the fig tree. It wasn't bearing fruit. There's something wrong with the temple. It wasn't bearing fruit. There's something wrong with me if I'm not bearing fruit. Let's just be real. It, the, 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 the sign of, a, of a, an alive and active relationship with me and God is that I'm, I'm growing and bearing fruit. I'm not perfect. I mess up all the time. Ask Jesse. But the sign that I'm actually pursuing God is that I'm learning to what Brendan mentioned earlier, cut off the branches, man. I can't afford to have that in there. And Jesus said it this way in John 15. He said, the only way to bear fruit is abiding in me. What is he talking about? The only way to bear fruit is if you have a relationship with me. If you're listening to me, are you spending time with me? You see, I think Jesus was on to something when he said, if you want to pray to God, go into your room and close the door and, and just get away. Just be with Jesus. Are we doing that? You know, like it's great that we have devotionals. It's great. That's amazing. Don't stop. But that's not the be all end all. See, what God is after is looking, he's looking for us to live our lives in his presence. That means making intentional time. You know, I challenged the youth group a couple weeks ago. Man, spend 30 minutes a day with Jesus. Nothing else. Turn off your phone. Put away your computer. Grab your Bible. Grab your journal and just sit there and be with Jesus. And see what he says to you. See what he does. See how he challenges you. See, the, the, this is interesting. When, when, when the, the Israelites built the tabernacle in the book of Exodus, right? When, when we read about God's presence first dwelling with them. God had them pattern the entire community so that his tent where he dwelled was at the center. Every tribe built their communities out from the center and the center was God's presence. In the same way, we're supposed to pattern our lives around God's presence. Everything we do, doesn't matter if it's work, doesn't matter if it's school, our family especially, everything we do should be patterned around God's presence. I'm going, I give food with my friends. God, what do you want to do while I'm with my friends? What are you doing? Is there anything that you need to make me aware of? Do I need to pray for them for any? Patterning our whole life around God's presence. See, sometimes we forget that we have an active and alive God who actually is infinite and he cares so much that he is always speaking to us. He's like, hey, Pete, look into this, do this, pray for this. He wants us to be awakened to his presence and his activity in our lives. See, Jesus knew that we were going to have him living within us. I just want you guys to think about this. We live in an age, in God's timeline, right, where we actually get the privilege 
of having God live in us. Did you know that? Everyone before Jesus' death and resurrection was, would kill to have that. Seriously, the prophets looked forward to it. They, they marveled at it. They didn't understand it. And Paul says that that was the greatest mystery of all. And it was revealed to us that Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's the greatest gift we could ever receive. And oftentimes I find myself totally neglecting it. You know, I go through something hard and I'm saying, God, where are you? He's like, I've been here the whole time, Pete. Open your eyes, open your heart. Are you aware of me with you right now? You see, it's as we look to Jesus, it's as we develop a life that's centered around God's presence that we become more like him. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 3, he said, so all of us who have had the veil removed, seen the Holy of Holies, the room I was talking about where God's presence was, there was this veil. And when Jesus was crucified, this is crazy, when Jesus was crucified in the temple, the veil torn, was torn. It was symbolic, God saying, that's not how, it's gonna, how we're going to do it anymore. See, the veil was torn. He says, all of us who have had this veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord who is spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. See, becoming like Jesus, being an authentic disciple, starts in the secret place. It starts building our lives around God's presence making room for him. It's the most, it's more important than anything else in our life is learning to live with Jesus. That's it. And that's what Jesus was talking about in John 15. He said, you have to abide in me. He said, apart from me, he literally said these words, apart from me, you can do no good thing. Those are strong words. Apart from me, you can do no good things. Zero good things apart from Jesus can you do. How important is it to live with Jesus? Man, there's so many Christians who aren't listening to this. See, we've forgotten. We've forgotten that God is with us. That that the Christian life isn't about just getting to heaven one day. It's about living with God here and now. Heaven's great. I can't wait. You know, I can't wait for the new earth, the new heaven. I can't wait. But I get to walk with God here and now. And that's always been his will for us is that we would walk with him, we'd know him, and we'd reflect him. A lot of you guys have heard my story. I was a, I was a druggie. I was, you know, I went to jail. I, 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 I was messed up. And you know, I, I hear some people say like, man, like, I don't know how to get free from this or I don't know how to get free from that. Well, my first question is always, are you spending time with Jesus? Because he's faithful to do what he's gonna do. It says as we, as we change, as we, as we gaze at God's glory, we, we begin to see it and we begin to reflect it. And it says he changes us into his glorious image more and more and more. See, as we spend time with Jesus, he's faithful to cut off the dead branches in our life. He is. Brendan talked about it. He's a good gardener. He trims everything that needs to be trimmed. And I'm going to invite the band up. God is faithful to do what he does. See, when Jesus walked into the temple, 
he found the Israelites just going about the motions. Day after day, just the same old, same old. There's no depth in their relationship to God on the mo- for the most part, right? And that frustrated him. He said, you guys don't get it. You don't get it. Wake up. Something new is coming. And I hope you catch it. So our, the question for us today is, are, are we going through the motions? Or are we aware of God's presence in our life? See, like the Israelites, are we building our entire lives around his presence? Or are we just ignoring it? See, we're going, we're going into a week and, we're, and next weekend we're going to be celebrating Jesus' resurrection. And what, what, what his death and resurrection has brought us is his Holy Spirit living through us. His Holy Spirit's the guarantee that we'll make it to heaven one day. But he's also the fullness of God living in our hearts. We read in the book of Revelation that, that Jesus is saying to the churches, he says, return to your first love. See, Jesus is supposed to be at the center in everything at all times. doesn't matter. And in that place, when we get to engage with Jesus, receive his love, he has so much love that he wants to give us in the secret place. It's when we receive that, that we're made more like him. So as, as, we, as we reflect on this, man, Jesus died so that we could be with him in the here and now. But are we living into that? So what we need to reflect on this morning. Let's stand together.